0: Hello and welcome. Well, the loss of a baby or a child is undoubtedly the most devastating, heartbreaking experiences anyone could ever possibly endure. It's common that many parents experience intense and profound feelings of despair, loss and heartache as they are left living their lives uh, like a big piece of it is missing. Now, these thoughts are never far from their mind, both in their conscious and subconscious minds in the short and long term as on a daily basis they are constantly surrounded with emotional triggers. You know, how old the child would have been? What would the child's personality have been like? You know, It's um, the deep feelings of maternal and paternal love for a child that you never had the chance to know. So if you're a parent who has lived an experience such as this or a friend or a family a member who is supporting a grieving family, or friend, or someone who would just like to have greater knowledge and perspective of of what parents live through, then this chat is for you to help talk to us about this today. We are thrilled to welcome our special guests Amelia Walker and Chris Barnes from the Gidget Foundation. Now, Chris Barnes is a clinical psychologist and has been in private practice for over 25 years and an expert and a thought leader in this space. Among extensive industry experience, Chris enjoys raising awareness of uh, parental emotional well-being in the community. And Amelia Walker is a program um, clinician and registered counsellor with 12 years experience of clinical management and inception of clinics in here in Australia and also in London. Thank you for joining us and welcome back. How are you both? Doing very well. Thank you very much.
1: Thanks, Rachel. We look forward to talking with you about this really important topic.
0: Absolutely. And it's no doubt one of the hardest, if not the most challenging topics to talk about. So I'm really grateful for your time today, bringing light to this uh, topic with view of, of course, helping and giving grieving families the support that they need. They need. Um, And today, I just wanted to just acknowledge that we'll be talking on the topic of, of course, you know, what families experience with through miscarriage, early pregnancy loss, stillbirth and sudden infant death. Um, Now, I understand in Australia, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this is reported by Red Nose, that there's 3,000 babies and young children that die suddenly each year. And uh, one in four pregnancies ends in miscarriage. So through this, vital bereavement and support services are crucial to helping provide support uh, to grieving families, such as uh, the Gidget Foundation. Now, I just wanted to acknowledge, of course, um, we published the article, A Guide to Coping with Reminders of Your Pregnancy and Child Loss. Now, just very briefly, because we've got lots to get through, but for someone who hasn't read the article yet, Um, we're going to sort of go through, I guess, all of these things, but I wanted to ask you both, what has been your exposure to parents who have experienced the trauma of a baby or a child's loss? What's been your experience and exposure to to this?
1: Yeah, look, um, I think Amelia will explain all the different types of sort of loss. Um, that, that we sort of support people with at the Gidget Foundation but it's a large part of what we do and I think whether it's a miscarriage or, or other forms of loss or even that transition to parent or there is often a grief and loss experience associated with that so it's like our bread and butter in a way and I think every new parent to some degree manages the grief and loss experience in all different ways.
0: But in that then, I mean, is there a difference in your in your uh, experience to to in which a, a mother mourns to how a father emotionally lives through the life events of something such as this? Do you think? There is a difference between well, I think it's the way
1: that? that someone experiences um grief and loss, it's different for everybody. It's a very unique process. And there might be some things that are maybe more attributable to whatever gender you identify with, but um, it really depends on so many factors. I mean, do you want me to explain some of those now? or I would love that. Yeah, so I think it depends on who the deceased was, uh, what your relationship was with that person, how they died and what the, the context was and what the experience was like for that person going through that. And personality things, like whether you're someone who just pushes through, wants to return to work quickly and get on with things, or whether you're someone who really takes a lot of time and it impacts on you hugely. So even though someone did want to go back to work quickly, it still could impact on them hugely, but that's their way of coping. So there's personality styles, there's a lot of different things, what supports you have, and other stresses going on at the same time. So there's lots of ways that your grief and loss experience is impacted by, depending on maybe also what family you grew up with and how they dealt with stuff, maybe other losses that you've had as well. So it's not so dependent, I don't think, on whether you're male or female. It's It's got a lot of other stuff to it.
0: So on that then, how long can the acute mourning stage of grief last? In some cases, from my understanding, this process can last for years for some people. Yeah, I mean, I think... Um, my overarching
2: view is that there is no time frame there is no right way to grieve and um, as Chris said there are you know there is a it's a unique course that ends you know when there is some resolution with the loss Um, but there is no right way and there is no time frame that we would attribute to the grieving process.
0: Mm. They say that grief never gets smaller, um, that you have to make yourself bigger around it. And the best way to do that is to open up and to let people in, which is, of course, where you guys come into the picture. So I'd love to understand, and for everyone watching and listening, what types of um, services does the Gidget Foundation assist with?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a, a great question, because as Chris mentioned at the beginning of our um, chat with you today, we view... Um, we view people's experience of loss in all different contexts. So, um, you've you've spoken beautifully about um, the the death or loss of a child, um, either as a still stillborn or during their early childhood, um, or certainly um, a miscarriage. But we also work with parents experiencing loss um, in such ways as that, just you know, a transition to parenthood um, or. Having to navigate um, a decision to to terminate a pregnancy, Um, even um, the birth experience may come with some loss, even if both mum and baby are physically well, um, the actual experience itself may not have encompassed the experience they had anticipated. So loss can come in all sorts of forms, of course, even, you know, the multitude of people going through assisted reproduction um, and the, the numerous losses that that can involve for people um, and also even such things as gender disappointment so so losses is, is a really broad term and we we view each of those as truly valid experiences and we have to navigate a grieving process with each of those and that's what our trained specialized um, clinicians do.
0: Wonderful. And the services that you offer are national, and um, there's, I believe, a twenty four seven phone line. Also, is that correct?
2: Well, um, it's a great point. So our um, our offices, our, our Gidget houses, are um, over. Uh, sorry, <laughs> are across Australia. So um, we've got lots of locations that people can visit for face to face or telehealth appointments with a clinician. Using a GP referral and mental health care plan, but we also have access to a fantastic um, app that is run by a group called Sonda. And using our the code Gidget to access that app, people can access support with first responders twenty four seven. So yes, that that is a slightly um, that's sort of a, an arm of what we do, and we highly recommend people download that app Sonda. And pop in the code gadget so that they can access support from nurses, first responders, and and anyone, all sorts of people that can give that immediate assistance.
0: Okay, that's wonderful, and we'll ensure we'll have all of those links in the show notes for everyone to access. Also, um, it's a really valid point that you had mentioned that there is all different types of of, of grief are uh, all dependent on a whole range of different scenarios. But in in both of your experiences, what are some of the most common feelings? Um, and experiences that the parents face? I'd love to know.
1: Well, I think that, again, it's unique for everybody. But, I mean, there are those sort of established processes of grief and stages of grief that have been talked about for many years. They're a little bit more fluid now because we know that people don't go necessarily from denial into anger or onto the next stage. So it's quite a circular process and it comes in waves so it's different for everybody, is is what I think one of the main messages is today. And grief is a natural reaction to a loss. So what some other people who have not experienced it might think is a little bit of a crazy reaction, like maybe a, a mum or a dad who's going to sleep with their baby's ashes, you know, in their bed beside them. Or I had a client who lost a baby and she just went out and bought every single Coke bottle that had her baby's name on it from all the different supermarkets, you know. So there are many, many ways that people experience their grief and loss and what they do to get through it. So I think as long as it's sort of a safe way of doing it, we, we would support people in going through it at their own pace. I mean, obviously, there's anger and denial. There's relationship stresses. They could be crying a lot. Um, they could be not able to sleep, not able to eat properly, um, really not wanting to be involved in anything. It sometimes feels a bit like they're in this bubble and everything's happening around them at such a fast pace, but they can't really engage with it. They might be withdrawn um, from people around them and and not able to do anything. They might be totally not able to function for a while and that Mm. would be okay as well. Or there may be people who like to take up their regular routine pretty quickly because it gives them a sense of security. And So I think grief comes and goes. And even if you think you're relatively through it and have some resolution after maybe quite some time, it can still come and hit you with a trigger or a reminder of that loss, whether it's a smell or going past the hospital where it happened or there are anniversaries. So there are many ways that it can affect people. Mm-hmm.
0: I guess in this instance it's okay to admit that you're not okay. I'd love to understand, you know, why you think it's important that, that parents allow themselves to grieve in their own way in in their own time. What are your thoughts? that,
2: you know, grief isn't going to go away if it's not addressed. It will manifest in different ways for different people and if not in the sort of immediate days um, the way that we expect it's going to manifest, it will come out. So certainly like in physical ways um, people may experience um, increased blood pressure, insomnia, extreme fatigue, it may affect their eating or exercising habits, and they may sort of display more anxious symptoms, for example. Um, but by not giving oneself space to grieve at the time that that feels right to do so, um, then the impact will, you know, it will, it will potentially negatively impact us physically, but it's mm-hmm. just not to go anywhere. And I think it's really important as well that we allow our partners their own experience of grief, and that can be so extremely difficult when the context of the grief is the same, but the way that we experience it is so different, and one of us may feel that we're grieving the right way or the only way, and we see our partner go back to work and back into routine, and we think that they're not processing it or don't (laughs) appreciate the weight of the grief. But they are themselves grieving. So, just like Chris said, you know, some people just need routine. They need normality. They want to return. They want to, um, you know, create and and make something, um, make something happen, um, yes. where the other person may be really lost in in the emotional experience mm. of grief. And they're both right. But it's It'd hard for one another to see that. I mm, guess
0: exactly. It's so difficult, and, and I think
1: that. There is a lot of difficulty within relationships, whether it's relationships with your partner or those around you, you may not feel like people really understand what you're going through. Um, Friends may not respond to you in a way that's helpful. You know, often we say, look, just stick with people who are non-judgmental and supportive people. And, you know, distance yourself if you need to from people who are saying, well, you should be over this by now, or don't worry, you can have another baby. You get a lot of unhelpful comments which really don't help sort of acknowledge, we call it like the disenfranchised grief as well, where it's not really acknowledged, especially for maybe women who are feeling pretty awful after a termination and not all women do. But if you do, or a miscarriage and feeling like because it was maybe only eight weeks pregnant, then, you know, some people think, well, you should be over it by now. It wasn't really a baby or, you know, so you get a lot of comments and and things put on you that that are not helpful. Mm -hmm. So it's really about working out what that person, what, what that, the death of whatever it was, whether it's a pregnancy or a baby, whatever it meant to that person, and then working through that. I mean, they can love the thought of a baby way before they get pregnant. So sometimes it's a long love affair before they've even had that baby, you know, before they've even gotten pregnant. So the grief can be compounded because it's been a long time coming, like in IVF, cases Mm. that Amelia was talking about. And also that the importance of rituals, like some, like I said, about the Coke bottle, (laughs) um, they are so important to do, but not everyone is encouraged to sort of do those. And I think they really help the healing process, whatever people need to do, to sort of get through, we would we would support them and also give them ideas about ways that they could do that and sustain the memories because you don't get through it. You don't. You learn to sort of move on, I guess, and have some sort of acknowledgement of it and at some point some acceptance. But it, it takes a lot of time to get to that point for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, and, and no doubt some parents can find it hard to trust their own instincts. Of course how they're best to grieve um, and at what pace, I guess, in fear of judgment from other people, as you've sort of mentioned earlier on as well. Um, and, of course, there's so many common triggers for parents. Um, do you find that the, the triggers can d- uh, differ from um, sort of the parents, male to female, or in, in any any other sort of um, gender as well, but that the triggers naturally do sort of, yeah, do do, do change as well over time?
2: It's a really good question. I think um, it's possible that if um, the person carrying the baby may have different triggers because they've experienced their body changing, um, and so with that comes a lot of sensory understanding and connection to our body, and so therefore they're open to even more triggers because there's more senses to be triggered. But also... um, They may have peers around them that were going through pregnancy at the same time or um, already be in a mother's group and things like that. And so there are potentially more immediate triggers for people who have been carrying a baby. But
1: seeing pregnant people, that could go for male, you know, potential dads or mums, seeing other pregnant people around or Mm -hmm. maybe you were pregnant at the same time as a friend. You know, and that and that other pregnancy kept going, so it can be really hard to sort of maybe even be friends sometimes with that person mm-hmm. for a little while or be around them. Um, and ways to sort of navigate those relationships
0: can be. It's so, so on that topic, exactly. I mean, how do you see the impact of grief and loss on wider communities, like your family and friends, and those types of things as well? I mean. Like I mentioned at the start, this conversation today isn't just for the families that have experienced it. It's equally for the people supporting the people um, to understand from an empathetic perspective. So, we, what, what do you what do you see the impact of grief and loss on those family and friend members then, and how else can they support? Do you think the grieving parents?
2: I think that sort of plays into a little bit of what Chris was saying about disenfranchised grief, where it's not necessarily your own immediate loss that would be identified as your own immediate loss, but you are experiencing loss. So if someone was expecting to become a grandmother and, um, you know, their, their child lost the baby, then their identity and um, expectations and things and also seeing their own child going through such loss must be hugely difficult. Um, so we have to, I guess, um, I guess, like you're saying, just encouraging communication amongst people about um, their own grief and their own process and acceptance um, in one another. That, that those uh, processes are going to be different. Mm. Um, I
1: yeah, I think that's right, and that's probably for the more obvious losses, like for a miscarriage, where there's no obvious physical signs and people may not have even told anyone yet and often for families going through IVF or assisted reproduction they're not telling people that they're going through all of this so the losses are often compounded they're often kept as a secret really with not as many supports so I think that makes that loss sort of a little bit different as well if you haven't been able to share where you're up to what's happening how you're feeling and then you've got to sort of almost a lot of people feel like they need to hide that to sort of keep going because they've got the next round, you know, IVF to sort of go through and it's a very private thing. So I think the more they can talk about it, the better and find, even if it's one person or a health professional or someone like us at Gidget to talk to can really make a massive difference.
0: Yes. And I guess for anyone that is watching that is um, possibly going through this a uh, uh, situation at the moment um or still in that that morning process uh, do you have any other helpful ideas to help work through this process any other words of advice
2: well i mean it it starts really with self-compassion and just being kind to yourself um and not to feel the pressure to do anything that doesn't feel right in at this time particularly in the early days and maybe setting aside aside some time to actually think about and process your loss um, and giving it some um, space Mm. to to be present in your life. Um, There are some ways that people might like to do this, writing in a journal, maybe painting, maybe just being out in nature, creating Mm. space specific to to honouring that loss. Um, And I guess, um, you know, remembering that there's, those people who do want to you know that do feel like I, i need to go back to work and i need routine remembering that there is time to feel the loss so if the instinct is return to work find routine the time will come when you are ready to process loss in a different way and um also giving yourself permission to have a break from the loss it can actually be beneficial to maybe um, change things up a little bit, be it just going to a different environment with your partner, maybe going out of the home where you've sort of experienced that recent loss or um, seeing friends who may be slightly removed from your closest circle where you can just exercise a different part of yourself. That's okay. We're allowed to have a little bit of a break from the loss. It doesn't mean that we're not honouring the weight of what that truly means to us.
0: And the only other thing, I- oh
1: sorry, sorry, Chris, go. Yep. I think that's one of the the main things that we would see here is that people feel like with time that the the intensity of the loss might lessen a bit for them, but they feel like they almost don't want that because then it feels like a little bit more distanced, or they feel like they're not honouring the loss, which is what Amelia was saying. So I think also giving them some permission. As we, I guess we've kept saying today about doing it in our own way, and how it comes in waves and comes and goes in intensity. And if you yes. have a joyous moment one day, that's all right, you know, yeah. because your body can also, body and mind can only take so much, and grief yes. impact on every single part of our structure, cellular yeah. structure.
0: So The other thing that I wanted to touch on also is just in the immediate family unit where you have your partner and not just that, but if there are other children in the family also, is there anything else you can maybe just talk to because we haven't even just touched on that subject at all. Yeah,
1: that's true, isn't it? Because, again, it probably goes with what your family values are and how open you talk about emotions and how you manage things and whether you tell the children, if you've got other children that you had a pregnancy loss, you know, if you were very pregnant They would see that, you know, and they probably would want to know what happened if you disappeared to hospital one day and then came back with no baby. So I think if you're taking into account the age of whatever child you have, make sure that it's appropriate, but I would tell them as much information as you think they need. You answer their questions honestly, succinctly, and in the age-appropriate way. I think it's good that they go to funerals. If there's a funeral, they can, you know, who knows what they'll take in from that. but I think it's important that they're involved in some degree because at some level they will absorb what's happening in the family and they will notice that their mum or dad might be being a bit different. So I think I would encourage people to be as open as you can, even if it's hard for you. I remember when my dad died, which is another sort of loss, my daughter cried for weeks, like every night. Um, and I would I was finding it so hard myself, but I had to put my own stuff sort of just away for that time and be there for her every night. Um, and then work out ways where I could express my loss with, you know, with, with other people as well as with her. But, you know, so I think it's a real balancing act to sort of looking after your own needs, What else, who else is affected in your family and friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess most importantly looking after you and if you have a partner and then the children and then, you know, the wider, the wider family and friends can probably look after themselves if you're feeling a bit too much weight. Because of that, and having to look after everyone, then I guess setting boundaries is probably important. We probably haven't said that either, but that could be helpful.
0: Yeah, thanks for that, Chris. Well, as, as you stated at the start of the chat, that this is uh, a topic that is very broad in the sense because there's so many different situations that, that could fall into um, grief and loss. Um, So if you were to summarise, I guess, your key messages for anyone watching and listening today, what would they be and what do you want people to walk away and remember from today?
1: So I think Amelia and I really think that the key message is that grief is a unique process and do what you need to do to get through and that Gidget Foundation is here to support perinatal grief and loss in all of those forms that we've been talking about today. And it's a normal and appropriate response to to losing something or someone that you've loved or had.
0: Mm. And we will have all those links that we mentioned earlier in the show notes and, of course, um, as mentioned, that you guys are available with a whole range of different services. And once again, we thank you for your time, for your wisdom and for your advice and the support for everyone um, watching and listening today. Take care and uh, I'm sure we'll have an opportunity to catch up in the next few weeks. But until then, take care and stay safe. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Rachel. Thanks, Rachel. Bye. Bye. I'm Rachel Monteleone and you've been listening to Kiddypedia, the podcast. You can have full access to Kiddypedia by visiting our website at kiddypedia.com.au or following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. We're all here to help make the world a better place for our children and for generations to come. You can start today by helping us reach other parents by going to Apple podcast, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Thank you for listening and be sure to give my love to the kids.